Welcome back, Nexus Church family, to another segment of Nexus News. I am your host, Liam, and you are? I don't know. Who am I? I don't know. You're my father. Father Daddy! <laughs> or, you can refer to him as Luke. I suppose. You have to. So, I heard a little rumor going around about the state of the church. State of the church? What, is, what was that rumor? Uh, something about, you know, February 7th, state of the church. State of the church, February 7th. Huh. Can you fill me in some more of that host, Liam? I don't know. I just heard a rumor. You just heard a rumor? Well, who are you listening to? Hopefully it was a good rumor, Weed. You don't catch that. That was VeggieTales. If you don't know what VeggieTales is, you haven't lived. But <laughs> anyway, February 7th is the State of the Church address. Now, normally we would do this after church service, you know, as a part of a meal. And we hang out and have a good celebration of all the amazing things God did in the previous year. And looking forward to what we're hoping to accomplish for the next Unfortunately, because of COVID and what has happened with other churches that have tried to have potlucks and the whole church ends up getting COVID, we decided that not exactly the wisest decision, at least yet. And so we're going to try something new this year, and maybe we'll never do it again. Maybe we'll do it every year after this. Who knows? But we're going to be incorporating it into our service on February 7th. During the normal worship service at 10.30, we're going to be having our State of the Church address where we just talk about all the amazing things God did in 2020, which there was some. There was some good stuff happening in 2020 that I'd love to share with you about, as well as looking forward to whatever 2021 might have in store for us, which at the rate it's going, it's looking pretty crazy, but God is still in control, and he is still moving, and I still look forward to the great things God will do, even if our world is burning. We're going to celebrate, we're going to look forward, and we're going to have a great time worshiping together, so don't worry, I've been a part of business meetings that go way too long, whether it was in the church world, whether it was in the business world. We're not going to be doing that here. We're going to make this as quick as possible, give you all the information that you need to have, and leave out all the garbage that you would be bored to death with listening. And if for some reason you need more info, I can give you all the wonderful details at another time. But we're going to have a great time worshiping, a great time celebrating, and we're going to be uh, naming the Swiss Army Knife Ministry or person or something of the year. So you're going to have to come and find out. And uh, we're still working on the details of what that might look like online. I might record it and, and do it later. We might do a live stream. Who knows what we're going to do, but we will have something up online at some point where if you, for some reason, can't come that day, you'll be able to watch it later. So that is February 7th, 1030, normal service time. And we're really excited about that. Does that fill you in with all your rumors, Mr. Host Liam, son yes. of mine? Excellent. Well, thank you, Dad. Thank you for joining us for this segment of Nexus News. I'm your host, Liam, and I'll see you later. Peace. Come and stand before your maker. Yeah.
Welcome back, Nexus Church family, to another week in our series that we've titled Follow Him. Now, last week we kind of discussed a little bit about following Jesus, kind of the, the, the focus of this whole series of what does it mean to be a follower of Him, and we, we found out that we are to be seeking and saving the lost, that being we are to try to Find ways to reach out to those who don't know Jesus and bring them into the family of God. And now this week we're going to be turning the page in our study of the book of Mark and the early life of Jesus. And we're going to be coming to a text that is a little bit different. Maybe for some of you, you haven't read this particular story of Jesus. But we've, we're coming to a story where Jesus heals a man of an unclean spirit. In fact, he didn't have just one unclean spirit. He had a majority of his inner being filled with spirits that were not at all good. And so we're going to be taking a look at what does it mean to allow God to heal us and how do we connect to Him? You see, God wants to heal us, but there is an aspect that we have in getting healed. And so we'll be talking about that. But first, before we get into that, I want to establish some very important aspects of what it means to be in Jesus. You see, back in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, we read the creation of mankind, of us, right? In an a nutshell, Jesus is saying here, God's saying through His Word that we are His masterpiece. Listen to this. 
Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. We bear the image of God. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. But not only did he create us in his image, in his likeness, to reflect his glory, he desires to be involved in our lives still today. This just wasn't a one-and-done deal where God is like, boom, here's people made in my image, and now I let them go and never be involved in their life, right? No, He is the creator that longs to be involved in our everyday life. And to point that out, I want to read to you Psalm 139, and we'll read the first six verses, then we'll jump down to verse 13. And this is the psalm from David, where he says, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. God wants to be involved in your life. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I am unable to reach it. So beautiful. Beyond anything we could ever understand, God knows us and longs to be involved in every piece of your life. You are made. In his image, to bear him to the rest of the world, and he doesn't want to just leave you alone in that adventure. He wants to be a part of it, every piece. Verse 13, for it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret. When I was formed in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God knows every aspect of your life, and He longs to be a part of every piece of it. He wants to engage in your life. You see, this wasn't just something for us at a one-shot deal. He, he wants to be a part of every aspect. We read this in the book of 1 Samuel, that not only does he want to be a part, he wants to speak personally. Like, this isn't just a kind of cosmic, weird, supernatural thing. This actually is something that he wants to engage in. He wants it to be real. He wants you to be aware of it. Now, this passage is one where this is a young boy who his parents were not able to have children, and God gave his mom the ability to have 
a child. And so she dedicated her child to grow up in the church. She gave it to the pastor, if you will, at that time to grow and to develop and to become the next person who would be in charge of that church. Now, of course, I'm using normal, everyday language today, and it wasn't quite the same in the day of Samuel and Eli, the one who raised him. But in essence, that's what was happening in this passage. And so we pick it up in 1 Samuel chapter 3, and we're just going to read the first 10 verses. And we read, the boy Samuel served the Lord in Eli's presence. That was the one who was raising him up. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and the prophetic visions were not widespread. One day, Eli, whose eyesight was failing, was lying in his usual place, right? He's an old man. He was about to go to be with God. Before the lamp of God had gone out, Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was located, right? He was in the presence of God. That was what that signified in the day. He was in the presence of God. And then the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. He ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me, right? Samuel didn't know what was going on. He thought Eli was calling him. I didn't call, Eli replied, go back and lie down. And so he went and lay down. Once again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. I didn't call you, my son, he replied, go back and lie down. Sure, but at this point, he's like, he's an old guy and he's needing to get to bed, right? Getting maybe a little cranky. We continue and we read. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord because the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. He hadn't been taught. Now once again, for the third time, the Lord called Samuel. He got up, went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. And then Eli understood that the Lord was calling the boy. He told Samuel, go and lie down. If he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there and called before Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel responded, speak, for your servant is listening. Now, verse 1 said, the word of the Lord was rare and the prophetic visions were not widespread. What that means is that even Eli himself had to have this happen three times before it dawned on him. This is God. This is God, you see. Something happened in the time of Eli where people had turned their back on God and went the other way, right? They were going down the path of destruction, but yet God hadn't given up on them. And he was once again reaching out through a new person who was being raised up to be his messenger, his pastor for the people of Israel. And he was speaking to him and saying, Samuel, I've got something to say. I'm calling you. I want to be a part of my people, Israel. Again, I want to have relationship with them. I want to speak to them. I want to be their God. And today, God is telling us the same thing. I want to speak to you. I want to be a part of your life. But yet, but yet, as much as God created us in His image as much as God wants to be a part of your life, a part of our life as Christians now today. We have allowed sin to mess us up. 
And we have lost that connection with God, which brings us to our text today, because God, just like he did to Samuel, is going to get his way. He will connect with his people. But just like Samuel, it requires us to do something. And so we're going to read from the book of Mark, chapter 1, verse 21 through 28. And this is once again showing us that God is a healing God who longs to make us whole. Now, I want to say before we even get into this text that most of us, our, our disconnection with God or our, our need for healing or lack of wholeness won't probably look quite this crazy, right? And so, so many times when we read a passage like this and, and you know, you can, you can be looking at it and say, man, that just doesn't connect. And so often we read the Bible and it's like, man, that, I just don't, I don't relate to what's going on here. Let me encourage you that though things may look really crazy in the Bible, we can usually apply the principles that are in it to our lives today. We probably won't be getting filled with a demon quite like this man in the story, but the enemy of our soul, Satan, will use his forces against us to take us away from God. He's a little more sneaky about it than in the Bible, but his ways are still the same. He wants to disconnect you from God. He wants to corrupt your life. He wants to put things in the way between you and God, whether it's emotional things, whether it's physical things. It could be spiritual things. It could be financial things. He's going to throw anything he can in your way in order to keep you from being whole with God. So let's read the passage now as we get that as a backdrop. It might not look like this, but I can guarantee you the enemy is fighting in your life to take you away from God. And so verse 21 says, they went into Capernaum. Now this is, again, Jesus and his new followers, right? Last week we talked about how he called the first disciples. They were fishing and they got up and boom, they followed Jesus. Like it was immediate. Their, their lives were still cast out. Jesus would call them like, all right, let's go. And they were gone, right? And so here they are. Their first encounter with Jesus' ministry is this demon-possessed man. Bizarre. <laughs> I can't imagine. And so they enter into Cap Capernaum, and right away he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath. So the first thing he does is he goes to the church in the city. And he began to teach. They were astonished at his teaching, right? Anybody who's listening is always astonished. Like, what is going on? This man is like power. Because he was teaching them as one who had authority. Not like all the scribes. And just then, right in the middle of his message, a man with an unclean spirit was in their synagogue. <laughs> I've never experienced anything like this. Now, I should back that up and say, when I was in Tanzania, I experienced this. There was a person that was demon-possessed right in the middle of the church service. And let me tell you, that was crazy because right in the middle of service, she walks right up, and they take the demon out of her, they cast the demon out, and she's gone, like she's dead. And they carry her off, and they pray for her, and of course, she was not dead, but it was, it was pretty crazy. But this isn't something that you see in America, right? 
And so here comes this demon-possessed man right in the middle of a service as Jesus was talking. And he cried out, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? This wasn't the man speaking. This was the demons inside of the man speaking out to Jesus. This is unbelievable. What do you have to do with us? Have you come to destroy us? Like, they didn't have a clue what Jesus came to earth to do. They were like, we know this is the Son of God. Like, this is the man who was prophesied about in the Old Testament. He's here. He's doing exactly what the Old Testament said. And everybody else is clueless. Like, he's teaching. They're like, this guy has authority. The demons are like, this is the Messiah. This is the one that Isaiah was talking about. He's here. What, what is he going to do? Is he going to establish his kingdom and kill us all and send us to the abyss right here, right now? And so he, we read this story, and we're like, well, that just kind of seems weird. This would keep going, but there was, there was things happening here. They were worried. And so they continue on and say, I know you are the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, that is, the demons, and said, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit threw him into convulsions, shouted with a loud voice, and came out of him. And they were all amazed. So they began asking each other, what is this? A new teaching with authority? This guy just leveled out this demon. He commands, and even the unclean spirits, not just one, but many, and they obey him. At once, the news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity of Galilee. Okay, again, this is not something we experience every day. This man had quite the onslaught of evil demons influencing his life. And the moment Jesus spoke, he was made whole. Now, again, it's not going to look like that for you. How it looks like for me, I can be very honest and open and tell you. The way the enemy disconnects me from God, now for this guy, it, it just came in and it, boom, it filled him, right? Like it was like a boom, we took over you, buddy. Now, for me, the enemy disconnects me from God and influences me through things like lack of sleep, not taking care of my body, not giving myself enough rest. Not giving myself enough time to just kind of process all the stuff that's going on and just whew, breathe a little, think a little, right? He comes after me when I put too much on my plate and I can't do everything that I said I was going to do and said yes to this and I said yes to that and now all of a sudden I got too many things and I get overwhelmed and burn out. It happens to me when we go through a, a very intense season like we experienced this past year with COVID and racial tensions and now political tensions and people taking over our capital, our nation's capital. Like these things disconnect me from God. And when I get disconnected from God, it might not look like this where the demon is speaking out of me, but it ruins what God wants to do. It keeps me from seeing what He sees, from doing the things that He wants to do and doing my own thing, filling my own time, being powerless. What does it look like for you when you get disconnected from God? Is it because of physical? Does it go emotional? 
Does it get you unbalanced? The one thing that we know is it doesn't have to be a big thing like what we read about. Whether it's big, whether it's small, Jesus wants to heal you and reconnect with you. He wants to bring you peace. He wants to bring you joy. He wants to bring you fulfillment, contentment, and power. He wants to heal you. He wants to make you whole just like this man. In just like this man, we have a requirement for him to heal us. As James 4.8 puts it, when we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. So what does that look like? What, what does it look like to connect to God? Sometimes we have to understand what does it not look like? What are the things that we shouldn't do? And then we can talk about what we should do. And Paul addresses this beautifully in the book of 1 Corinthians and chapter 6. And we read, now this again is something that when you are just reading it in passing, it seems like it was addressing something that doesn't relate to us. Right? In this passage, Paul is actually going to be addressing a, a, something that was just rampant in the church of Corinth, and that was sexual misconduct. But the principle still will remain. Whatever we connect ourselves to will disconnect us from God if it's not Him. And so let's read this and we'll unpack it a little bit and then apply it to your life. And so Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 12, everything is permissible for me. I can do anything, right? You can do anything. I mean, within bounds of the law, we can do it. But not everything is beneficial. Not everything that the United States of America says you can do is a good idea. Food is for the stomach and stomach is for food and God will do away with both of them eventually. However, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Now he's getting right into what was happening in the Corinthian church. God raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Don't you know that your bodies are a part of Christ's body? So should I take a part of Christ's body and make it a part of a prostitute? Now the sexual immorality is coming up. Absolutely not. Don't you know that anyone joined to a prostitute is one body with her? Put in whatever you want in that statement. Don't you know that if you take part of Christ's body and make it part of a prostitute, that you can't do that? Don't you know that anyone joined to a prostitute, don't you know that anyone who is joined to an idol, whether that be sports, whether that be gaming, whether that be you put history in there you put gardening in there like anyone joining themselves to something and putting their whole heart into it just going head over heels into it will be joined to it you'll be united with it you will be connected don't you know that anyone who goes around negative will become negative if you're dwelling on negative things the negative things will become part of you if you are just thinking about conspiracy theories that have no basis in truth other than what somebody else says that's not credible like if you are pouring yourself into these things you will become part of it 
you will be joined to it. For Scripture says, the two will become one flesh. You will become one. But anyone joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. We'll come back to that. Let me finish reading the rest of it. Flee sexual immorality. Get disconnected from things that take you away from God, right? Step number one, get away from it. Get away. Get away. If you're pouring yourself into things that disconnect you from God, flee. It's no different than somebody who is caught up in sexual misconduct. Somebody who's just head over heels over porn or whatever. Like if you are engaged in things that are not of God, flee today. Flee now. You will not be whole in Christ if you are attached to the things in this world that detach you from God. Flee. Flee. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the person who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. Whatever you devote a majority of your time to influences your identity, period. Whatever you connect yourself to becomes you. So flee from it. Flee from it. But then, let's go back up to verse 17. But anyone who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. If you want to become whole, you first must flee whatever disconnects you from God, and you must become one in the Spirit with God. You must drive towards Him again. The Holy Spirit is in you. It says right at the end of that, right? Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. You are not your own anymore. You have the Holy Spirit living in you, but yet you have a choice. Though God, just like the moment you came into faith in Jesus, you were baptized, now you're one with Him. The Holy Spirit has been given so that you can have power for what? To live for God, to be a witness, to be again His image bearer that He created you to be. You are now His. He has the Spirit living in you. You are back to what you were created to be way back in Genesis Way back in the beginning, you have everything you need to be exactly what God created you to be. But you have to choose. And that is where the battle is fought. And it is where it will either be won or lost. See, your spirit has still been bought and paid for. And you still will get to be in heaven with the Father. But your battle here on earth, your wholeness that God wants you to have here on earth, it's right there. Are you connecting with this world or are you connecting with God? It's your choice. It's your choice. What are you connected to? What are you connected to? And so maybe today, as we kind of wrap this up, your heart is right. 
You, you, you desire to be connected to God. You want to be whole. You don't want to be going around the mountain again with this sin that, that you're struggling with, the addiction, or maybe just the, the negativity. I don't know how anybody in this world isn't battling that every single day you wake up. Like, it's all over the place. We're battling it. And you don't want to be overwhelmed with it. You want to conquer it. Healing comes. Healing comes when we do exactly what the man in our story did. What did he do? He went to the presence of Jesus. He went to the synagogue where Jesus was. That's what you need to do today. The sin is still going to be around you. Those temptations that you wake up to every day, tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up and they're going to be there again. And you're going to have to choose, will I go to the presence of God or will I go into the presence of evil and go down that path again? The choice, my friend, is yours. What will you choose? Will you choose to be like our man in the story and say, I'm going to Jesus. I want to be healed. I don't want this demon living in me anymore. And so the demon went and it took him to the presence of Jesus and it did what it did. And it was questioning Jesus. And Jesus was like, get out of here. This man needs to be whole. And he was healed. And I'm telling you today, the presence of Jesus is right there next to you. And he wants to heal you. Whatever you're facing, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's mental, whether it's relational, Jesus wants to heal you. Will you let him? Will you say yes to Jesus today? Isaiah 53 verse 5 says it this way. It says, he was wounded for your transgressions. This is talking about Jesus here. He was wounded he was crushed for your iniquities, the things that you are fighting every day, those battles that you are losing. He was crushed for them. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, right? What we deserved, that, that, that end result when we get to be at the end of our life and the Father was going to judge us, that was on him. He took our pain. He took what we deserve, the wrath that we deserve for all of eternity. He took it on the cross and he conquered it, right? And with his stripes, we are now healed. Whatever you need healing from, will you seek time with him? Connect with him. And when you enter his presence and you say, I want to be whole. I want your spirit to be once again inside of me, working in me, working through me. I am yours and I will do what you ask. I'm giving it all to you. When you do that, he will heal you. A.B. Simpson put it this way, and I close with this thought. He said, our God has boundless resources. He creates everything. So whatever you need today, he has it. The only limit is in us. Our asking, our thinking, praying are too small. Our expectations are too limited. So today, what do you need healing from? First, 
telling you, flee from it. Run from anything that keeps you from being connected to God and run to Him. Run to God and ask Him to heal you. And He will heal. Father, I pray for every person listening today, whether they're listening when this is aired or 20 years later, God, the message remains the same. Your word never changes. And you will heal those who turn from all of their things that are keeping them from you, and they directly go to you. You are a God that heals. You are the only God who has ultimate power to do a work inside of us that will make us whole again. God, we desire to become whole. Now, I know, Father, we'll never be perfect in this earth, but God, we want to become all that we possibly can on this side of heaven for your glory so that we once again, just like back in Genesis, can reflect the image of God to our world so that the world may know, the world may know that you are real. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Nexus Church family, for joining us again. And come back in next week when we will once again look into this wonderful book of Mark and discover how to follow Jesus.
so 